Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller. I'm here with C.J. Jones. And we are going to talk, continue talking about quantum faith, but there are some things that we need to be aware of when we're beginning to operate in this stuff, and we're going to talk about that because, as I've said many times, I'm all about results. Amen. And I think... Cheryl, you're also becoming all about results as you're seeing more and more breakthroughs taking place in your life. Absolutely. Um, it's just been learning to be patient and persistent with, you know, certain things that, you know, biblically we should be doing. And and uh, I'm starting to see the results of that and seeing the breakthroughs more and more. And I know that there are more mm -hmm. coming and I'm very excited about it. I know it's I it's I liken it when you started telling me about your breakthroughs a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I what I liken it to a snowball going down a very steep hill. Right. Because it that snowball is gaining momentum and it's also wow. getting bigger as it goes down the hill. Absolutely, definitely. And I think at the bottom of the hill is a bunch of enemy plans that have been sitting there in the works, ready to get started, and that ball that big ball of Snow is going to hit that those plants and just blow them to smithereens. Well, that's the that's my plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's God. That's God's uh, plan for us. That's for right. Us. That's right. So I'm seeing more and more victories and breakthroughs, and and um, I know that there are more to come, and I'm just very excited about you know what's going to be happening over the next few months. Mm-hmm. So. Months, years until Jesus comes. I don't know how soon is Jesus is coming, but mm -hmm. whenever he comes, I expect us to have a lot of victories under our belts when we right. meet him in the air. Right. I expect to have a lot of victories in our, under our belts. That's so, right. We were talking about quantum faith last week, and if you ha if you haven't heard that, then I, not you, but Cheryl, but anybody who's listening. I mm -hmm. would recommend you go back and listen to it because <clears throat> science and faith are not separate. They're both created by the same God and the same rules that operate in the natural. If you know how to use your faith, those natural laws will come into play and help your faith bring into manifestation the things that you need and the things that you desire. But we have many times, I mean, this whole podcast is called Defeat the Darkness. And we've talked about many times the, how the enemy will try to throw in a wrench into whatever you're believing God for to try to prevent that victory from happening. Right. Every time Cheryl gets a victory, every time I get a victory, every time Joe Schmo gets a victory, it puts egg in the devil's face. And he does not want people to find out that he's not as big and bad as, as Hollywood makes him out to be. Mm -hmm. He's not as big and bad as, you know, people who don't know God make him out to be. Right. He's not. He's no. not all that. Mm -mm. But you have to understand how these rules work, these laws work, in order for you to see how easy it is to actually defeat him. Because it's not that hard if you know how. Right. And God does not make it a mystery. So before I I get into the meat of this, I want I want us to look at Genesis eleven. 
Okay. Okay. Starting at verse one, I'd like you to read it in yours after I read it in mine. Okay. Because sometimes yours has some good things in it at times that make things clear. And the whole earth was, was of one language and of one speech. So that tells me that there were not separate languages at that point. Mm-hmm. And it came, verse two, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to and let us make brick and burn them and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into the heaven. And let us make us a name that we may be scattered abroad among the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. These are not men of God. These are children of men. Notice it doesn't say men of God. Verse 6, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Verse 7, go down, let us go, go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Would you read that verse 1 through 8, please? Yes. It says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower The people were building. Look, he said, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. Isn't it interesting? There's a couple of things that I'm, I'm seeing in this. I haven't looked at this in quite a while, and the Lord quickened me through some things I was listening to to go back and look at this. Isn't it interesting, first of all, that when the people were united, that's why yours reads, when the people were united, they were all speaking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, they can, they, nothing will be stopped. They cannot nothing will be restrained from them. They won't be able to do anything that they set out to do because they are in unity. They are in agreement. That's what it really boiled down to. Uh That's the first thing. The second thing I note is that these people, none of these people in the Old Testament were born again. And these people in particular were not following God. They were trying to make a name for themselves. 
Yeah. They weren't looking to glorify God. Now think about the people that we've been dealing with in this world. Uh-huh. There are people that have all been saying the same thing. Trying to create the power of agreement because that is a spiritual law. Right. When two, Matthew 18, 19, when two agree is touching any one thing on earth, it will be done. They have been using the power of agreement knowingly or unknowingly. They've been trying to use the power of agreement to overtake this world and, and remove God from it. Mm-hmm. However, no one is bigger than he is. Right. And that's where their mistake, that's where their downfall is coming. Because no one is bigger than he is. Amen. Had they been doing it for for his glory, it would have already come to pass. Because they are united. Uh-huh. Now think about people in church. The church. I'm not talking about a certain denomination. Right. One says you have to be baptized fully, fully immersed. Another another sex says just sprinkle on the on the forehead when they're babies. And they get in a big argument and they separate and divide over that. Right. One says that when you take communion, you're taking the actual um, body and blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Another one says we're doing this in remembrance, as Jesus said, but it's not Jesus' body and blood. Again, another separation. Another right. division. Uh-huh. In the in First Corinthians three, Paul says, "I would like to teach you things that are spiritual, but I can't because you're still babies. You're still gossiping and you're still arguing and fighting and, and striving with one another. Not much has changed in the, in the church all these many hundreds of years. That's true. Why?" Because, because we're not we have an, because we have an enemy. Well, sure, yeah. He works against agreement. He uses the spirits that he has at you know with him: offense, strife, contention, division, distortion, lies, arrogance, pride. I could go on and on. But he uses whatever he can use for those those particular situations to keep people from being in unity. Yes. You may know, and I may know, we're learning things more and more about the quantum world. And we know, just like he knows, the power of our words. Right. It, but he has kept the body of Christ divided over the, a lot of people still refuse to accept that their words are, have created power and that to get maximum results, if they, they must use the word of God on purpose, saying, believing, and seeing what their future is to create that future using the quantum mechanics that are in place. Uh-huh. Satan knows this. 
in this yeah. in this scripture, it's God who points out because they are united, nothing will be restrained from them. Right. And we're going to look at some other scriptures because I realized when I was thinking about this and asking the Lord again, like I always do, what are we going to talk about this week? Because what it, I'm finding that what flows here overflows into the YouTube channel. Right. And what the Lord pointed out to me was, <clears throat> you and Cheryl have talked a lot about how the enemy will try to short circuit our faith. But you've not really given a lot of spiritual or scriptural examples of that. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at some scriptural examples of that. Okay. Because that is how he keeps us from receiving. Um, you have to, the way Bill Winston said it this week, and if you haven't seen Tuesday's broadcast from this week, I recommend you see it tonight because if you don't see it tonight, it's gone tomorrow. Okay. But he talks about walking that walk the walking down the, the hall of shame. He says you have to walk down the hall of shame before you can walk down the hall of fame. And what he's referring to was when you, your body looks like you're falling apart and somebody says to you, How are you feeling? How are you doing? And you you look at them and you say, By his stripes I am healed. And they and they can see that you look like you're about ready to fall over. <laughs> That's, that's the walk of shame yeah. because you're declaring in spite of what it looks like by his stripes I'm healed mm -hmm. and you'll get la mocked and you'll get laughed at and you'll get you know all the rest of it they're, they're going to do exactly what they do to everybody else who stands up because the enemy's behind it he wants to shame the person out of faith and into this is how I feel right how you feel will change on a dime. Mm -hmm. I see examples of that all the time where somebody decides they, you know, they, they appear to be my friend and then something is done or said that they don't like and all of a sudden they turn to be, into my enemy in a matter, you know, on a dime. Yeah. And that's how the world works. That's not how the church is supposed to work, but that's how the world works. And it works that way. And I'm reminded of that quite a bit. I just had something happen in the last couple of weeks, week or so. Mm -hmm. Remind me again of how people do, how it happens. And it, they're not, the people are not spiritually aware enough to understand they're being played. Yeah. They're absolutely being played. Go yeah. to Daniel 3. And in Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image of gold. And it talks a lot about how big the, the, the image was, three, and th three score cubits, so 60 cubits. And the breadth thereof was six cubits. And he sets this image up of gold. And he says, when the music plays, when the psaltery and harp play, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship this image. Right? Right. In the book of Daniel. And yeah. what, did, what did Daniel do? He didn't. Um, he, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be, be a part of that. And it's in verse um, verse 4. And the herald cried aloud, and to you it is commanded, 
people, nations, and languages. At the time that you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falls down, not, who falls not down and worships, shall be the, in the same hour cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the harp, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people and the nations of the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. And then I'm going to skip, over, it says, oh, I shouldn't skip, because in verse 8 it says, wherefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man shall shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And who, who falls down not, not down and worships, um, that he should be cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not, these men, O king, have not regarded you, they serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought them before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said unto them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve the God, my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the corn at the flyer, flute, the harp, the sapphire, the psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image that I have made well. But if you worship not, you should be cast into the uh, same hour into the, the uh, furnace. And who is that God who shall deliver you out of my hand? If you're living down the street from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you're seeing that they're not bowing. Are you, is there pressure for them? Is there pressure for them? Pressure? Yeah, because they refuse to do it. Are they being pressured to do it? Well, I think there would be some pressure knowing that if they don't, they're going to be you know, throwing right. the fire. So yeah, right. there's there's that pressure. There's pressure for them, right? And yes. and you're sitting there watching this, going, okay, they need to bow if they if they don't want to burn. And you're and you're and I'm just saying, you not as you as a believer, but just as one of the people in the town, you're uh -huh. like, what? Why don't they just bow? You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. The problem is that when you're people of faith, that's what the enemy does. He puts pressure. Right. He was given, okay, it's either this or death. You either worship the, the, the false gods or you die in the furnace. Now, you and I both know the story, but for those of us, those people who don't know, um, this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. They answered the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, if you're the devil trying to force them to, to worship false gods, which is in the commandments, don't, you know, put no other gods before me. That's all they had at the time. Mm -hmm. They know not to do that. Right. Devil's not happy with them. Because <laughs> they're saying, even if you do do it, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he didn't deliver us, we're still not going to do it. From what I've read, Nebuchadnezzar was a real huge pride person. <laughs> he right. was really into himself and what he said. Yeah. And very much so. So then Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we know the story. Nebuchadnezzar puts him, has him heat the fire up seven times hotter. Does fire burn at the lowest at the lowest heat? Yes. Mm -hmm. So seven times hotter isn't going to make it burn any better. A burn is a burn. <laughs> right. right. Uh -huh. So he it was just because of his anger. And he was trying to intimidate. The devil will always try to intimidate. Yes. Because he can only do what we say. Amen. I'm not asking for details about your breakthroughs, but think about it for a moment. Uh -huh. And think about before your breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. How much pressure there was to churn, change your mouth. Right. There was a lot. <laughs> a lot of pressure. I'm mm -hmm. sure you had people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people you hadn't heard from in years, all of a sudden be interested in the very thing that you were standing for. Well... On one hand, yes. On the other, no. Um, there are certain things that um, when I know I'm going to receive opposition, I don't talk about. I right. don't share with other people. I might share it with you um, because you're, you understand where I'm coming from on that and you understand, you know, how to stand in agreement. And yeah, and you know, I will stand in agreement. I don't yeah. have any problem doing that. Right. Somebody. Right. But for the most part, I don't share a whole lot with you, because you've because you've learned not to i've learned not to because you know it's just like you know we can take the we can take the story of um jairus when his daughter uh -huh. died they mm -hmm. went to his they went to the house and jesus had everybody stay outside made people leave and he shut the door behind him and only the people who had faith stayed in the room right you know, because you can't allow that unbelief to creep in anywhere. And what did they do when Jesus said, she's not dead, just asleep? Oh, they laughed at him. Right. That's yeah. the walk of shame. There's yeah. the walk of shame. Right. They laughed at him. They quit laughing when she rose up, though. Right. Exactly. But that's the, that's the thing. You can't allow, you know, doubt to come in. And you can't allow people who speak that over you and, and what you're believing for. Um, to have that knowledge of what you are standing for. Right. You know, it's just, it's, that's why I, I keep very tight lipped about a lot of things. And I learned the hard way. Yeah, I did too. I, I learned the hard way because I had, when I first got born again, 
I was of the impression that I could go to anybody in church and say, please agree with me. And I learned very quickly that I could not. Right. And even though I understood how it should go, it didn't go the way it should. And when I was standing for my marriage and I needed people to stand in agreement with me for my marriage, it ended up being the talk of the church because I didn't know not to just go to anybody in church and ask them to agree. Right. So I had a bunch of people agreeing that my marriage was falling apart Mm. instead of getting the agreement the other way around. Right. So that, that, and you, you learn, and to learn that thing the hard way, it, it makes, it still angers me that the devil got away with it because I didn't know better. But according to, to Proverbs 6, 30, 31, if do not despise the thief, if he still to satisfy his soul and is hungry, but he be found, he shall restore sevenfold, even right. if it cost him his whole house. Well, he's been found out. Yeah. And I'm getting I'm getting the sevenfold of everything I've lost because I didn't know. Amen. Every single thing. And I'm talking down to the minutest, even things I've forgotten about, I'm getting back. Yeah. I am. Amen. The Lord and I have already settled that. Look at uh, Matthew 14. Okay. We're going to start at, um, I need to be in the right chapter. That would help. It looks different when you're in the, and when you're in a different chapter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amazing how that is. Yeah. Start a book start a book from the middle and see how fast you catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Any book. All right. Um, starting at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other to unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, for they cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be, if it be you, he, did he just not say it was me? He did just say it to me. He just, just the verse before in red in, in my Bible, it says, mm-hmm. be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. It is I, that's, it's me, right? Right. And then in the next verse, Peter says, uh, Lord, if it be you, bid me come upon the water. And Jesus, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, who created the wind? How did the wind become boisterous all of a sudden when the sea was calm, when Jesus was walking on the sea? Mm, The enemy. The enemy. Mm-hmm. Trying to look, 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 Peter, you can't do this. Look at the wind. Look at the wind. Look at, look at what's happening. Right. 
I'm going to back up a little bit. And he, and he said, come. And when Peter was come out, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was already walking on the water. All he had to do was ignore that and keep walking. I can do this. Jesus said, come. I'm following my faith. He said, come. But he let the enemy steal that blessing from him that anointing from him to walk on that water. Right. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And sometime in the following month, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Is that what it says? Verse 31. <laughs> no, I didn't say sometime in the following month. He says immediately. <laughs> immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, you of big faith, you knew you couldn't walk on the water. Is that what he says? No. No. Oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? He doubted because of the wind. Mm -hmm. how, many, how many swimming pools have you walked across? Uh, none so far. Me neither yet. So it, the fact that he was walking across the water should have meant more to him than the wind. Right. Because neither one of us had done that yet. Right. I'm not, I'm not counting it out. Both of us said the same thing. You said not yet. You know, you said so far, not, but I said not yet. We're neither one of us are, are counting ourselves out of it. No. It just hasn't happened up to this moment. Right. But there was no reason for him to stop because of the wind. That was another way for the enemy to take his words. The enemy is trying to take his words. Because his words were then, Lord, save me. Yeah. Satan uses pressure to get you to change your confession of faith. He will yes. always pressure you. The pressure will vary as far as what type of pressure it is. But the bottom line is, if you're getting pressure to say something different, and even you not sharing, purposely not sharing things with people because you would need to stay in your faith realm, and I totally get that in the same way. But even in that moment, I know because I've had this happen to me, I'll keep quiet about something, but in my thoughts, I'm wanting to say something to someone. Yeah. That's contrary to what I'm believing. Right. right. That pressure is still there, even mm -hmm. if you're not sharing it. Right. And it, it is to be expected. The reason I'm bringing it up is you can't, no one can say, okay, I'm never going to have to worry about this from this day forward. I now understand it's never going to happen to me again, because as long as you're in this earth, the enemy's going to try to to keep you keep you me everybody from receiving from God because then he can point his finger and say, "See, God doesn't love you. See, God doesn't care about you. You knew this was never going to work. You knew it was impossible. Why did you even try?" Right. Give up, Cheryl. <laughs> You're never going to get it. Give up. Give up. Give up. And now that you understand what it's like to get those victories that looked impossible, 
you know that giving up is no longer an option for you. Right. And when he tells you give up now, as opposed to a decade ago, now you understand who's telling you to give up. Right. And that should be your first indication that you are really close to breakthrough or he yeah. wouldn't be he wouldn't be pressuring you to give up. Right. He wouldn't be pressuring you you to say the wrong thing. Amen. It's not that hard to navigate this once you understand how it works. And there's not been enough discussion about it as far as I'm concerned. They'll, you know, I've heard people preach and they, they talk around how the enemy actually works. Right. They never really try to give what I would call targeted examples of how it works. That's right. The Bible is full of those targeted examples, which is why the Lord impressed me to start talking about some of those examples. Go well, to it's, Psalm 40. It's needed. It is needed. God, I think I told you recently the Lord had a, the Lord and I had a discussion when I was getting ready for work. He had a discussion with me about specifically where my calling is, where my yeah. where he wants me to focus. Right. And he's and he specifically told me, don't verbalize it because that way the enemy doesn't know and he can't start trying to oppose you because it needs to be done. Right. And it's a combination of things that Brian sees it from one angle. You see it from a different angle. Someone else I know sees it from a different angle. And the Lord said, really and truly, it's all of that. Because it all inter it all interacts. It all, it's like baking a cake. I don't know how much cooking you do these days. But when you bake a cake, you have eggs. If you do it from scratch, you have eggs, you have oil, you have flour. Maybe you have butter if you don't use oil. You have flavoring. You have you have things you have to add. Right. A cake a cake without the without the flour is not going to be a cake. A cake without the egg is not going to work. It's not going to come out right. Right. And when you don't do it according to the recipe, it comes out badly. If it comes out at all, it comes out badly. You end up having to throw it away. That's right. Well, there are elements to faith. And when you use faith in agreement with the way the quantum universe works, using, using those words that God has given you through the word, those words are, are um, in superposition over every single particle and over every single situation that can arise. There isn't anything that the word cannot supersede and right. overcome. Amen. But because we are made in his image and in his likeness, we have to speak those things. Amen. That's true. And we have to see them in our spirit. We have to see them coming to pass. Amen. 
so those particles know what to do. Now, where in Psalm did you want me to go? I Sorry, Psalm, I think I interrupted you when you were talking about it. It's okay. Psalms 45. Okay. In verse 1, just verse 1. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is the pen right. of a ready writer. You are writing your tomorrows with your mouth today. Mm, that's good. That's a good one. You are creating with your mouth what you expect to have. That's right. In the Young's Literal, it says, My heart indicts a good thing. I am telling my works to a king. My tongue is the pen of a speedy writer. I like that one. That's good. And that's Young's Little. What's it read? How does it read in yours? Um, it says, uh, beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. Hmm. Not as strong. No, not this still one. good. It's good, yeah. Still, but... Good, but still not as strong. My heart, this is an uh, amplified classic. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. I address my psalm to a king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. I want to look in the concordance what, what that word ready means in this case. Let's see here. The word ready. Oh, a quick, prompt, skilled writer. Interesting. That's what that means. A ready writer is a quick, prompt, or skilled writer. Mm -hmm. My heart is indicting. I want to see what indicting means. To, oh, to keep moving, to stir. My heart is stirring a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king. See, you're, what the way I'm reading this, especially after hearing yours and hearing it in the Young's Literal, mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is we're speaking to God what we desire, right. and our tongue is, is, the, is what's creating it. Right. As we're speaking to him about what we desire. It's coming to pass because yeah. our tongue is the pen. Well, you know, the book of James talks a lot about the tongue. It does. And how powerful it is. 
So if nobody's really familiar with that, just, you know, you can go read, you know, the, the book of James and it'll, it's talk, talk a lot about, you know, the power of the tongue. And it's, uh, I think it's chapter three in James where it talks about the rudder of a ship. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're trying to turn things around because you've been speaking the wrong thing for decades, not knowing, not understanding how powerful your words are. And then right. one day you wake up and go, oh my goodness. And so then you, you've heard us and you use Matthew 15, 13 and, and curse all the words you've spoken that worked against you. But right. you still aren't making any progress. And it, it will seem at first as though it's nothing's happening. But that is not the case. It is chapter three. Yes. James three. For in many things, verse two, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a member, a little member, and both great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. What happens when you, when you, you help, do you have a fireplace? Uh-huh. And when you put, when you start a fire, do you put logs in, in the fireplace first? Oh, yeah. The, the very first thing to start the fire, you put logs in? Well, I, I use, <laughs> I use a, uh, I forget what it's called, a burn log first. Okay, but if you're, but if you, if you're using a regular piece of wood, are you starting with a log? No. I'll start you're with, starting with, with kindling. The, yeah. The with kindling. little tiny sticks and, and right. paper. And stuff that's going to catch really fast. Yeah. And when the fire gets going, where's all that stuff? It's at the bottom. Burned up. Can you see? Yeah, burned up. Exactly. It becomes the ash. You can't see it anymore. You can't right. distinguish the paper from the from the little piece of the wood. Right. The kindling is gone. Yeah. That's what happens with the tongue. Mm hmm. If we don't know the power of our tongue and we're just saying whatever we want, we're getting all the stuff we're saying, but we don't even know where it came from because by then those words are gone. Right. And the enemy works really hard to, to, say, to um, season our language with things that are, that are going to work against us. I see her killing me. I, I, I laughed till I thought I was going to die. I'm dying to go. Right, because you know the this, I guess this, I guess you might say the spirit world, or you know, takes everything literally. Yeah. You know? So you bet. whatever it does. So if you're saying they're speaking against those things, um, then you're gonna get exactly what you're saying. And you know, I I try to give people examples when I'm trying to talk to people about this because it, it's still. Not a, like you said, not a topic that is is discussed very often. So a lot of people no, don't understand it. You know, so I've talked to people who you know have been having difficulty in certain areas of of their lives, and I'm asking them, well, what are you saying about it? You know, and they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm I'm like, 
Well, you're, you're telling me that, you know, your marriage is in trouble and, you know, your husband isn't paying attention to you and this and that. What are you saying about your marriage and about your husband? Are you speaking neg- negatively over them? Or are you speaking the word of God over them? You know, so I'll say, you know, if you're walking around and you're you're telling people, you know, my husband's, you know, a jerk. He's not paying any attention to me. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you surprised when your husband's a jerk and he's not paying any attention to you? Right. You you're know, having exactly what you say. Yeah, you're getting what you, you, you're reaping what you sow and you're mm-hmm. sowing those words. You're sowing mm-hmm. negativity. So you shouldn't be surprised when when you're getting the negative that you're speaking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just as easy just to turn it around and start, start saying positive things about your husband. You know, positive things about your marriage. You know, Jesus always spoke the end result. Why aren't we doing that? Mm-hmm. You because know, my the enemy, because the enemy has seasoned our language, right, with with criticism, complaining, mm-hmm. moaning, groaning, victimization, martyrdom, martyrdom. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I'm suffering for the Lord. Right. He's he's flavored all our language like that, and we let him. Right. And because that person is speaking over their marriage, the things that they're speaking over their marriage, they're, he's free to operate. He only fights it when you stand in faith. Mm-hmm. And when I think back to the days before I knew better, before I knew this, he never opposed me talking about how horrible um, my husband was. Right. The husband I married first. He was he was a nasty nasty husband. He never the devil never stepped in and said you shouldn't talk about him that way. And I got exactly what I said, and then some. Right. But the minute you stand in faith and say, "Oh no, devil, you're not pulling this anymore. We're not going to have it that way." We're having it this other way, and because Jesus said, "Blah blah blah," then he fights you tooth and nail, right? Because if you end up after saying right words over that situation, turn it completely around, people will come to you and say, "My God, Susie Q, what happened to your marriage? This, this, he's a, such a sweetheart now. What happened?" right and the devil becomes embarrassed yeah and it's all about protecting his image amen he's a creature of pride and once you defeat him in an area he will not come back to you with that same thing unless he's run out of things and he's desperate and it may be decades before he brings that same thing back in, mm-hmm. but he'll only do it because if he if he's desperate because you've already defeated him in that area, right? And he risks being defeated in front of everybody again. However, if you've let him win in a certain area and he wins every single time he attacks you in that same area, he's not going to leave you alone in that area at all. Right. 
Because again, it goes back to his image. Mm -hmm. If he was as big and bad as he tries to convince everybody that he is, we would not have any hope. Right. There would be no point. But he's not even close. Amen. So, I think we've given a lot of food for thought on this one. And I think we're going to unhook at this point. I will remind you that there is a, a website with a lot of free material on there, vivianlmiller.com. There are links to my YouTube channel there if you choose to go listen to my YouTube or, and or subscribe. There are links to, um, to free material about the quantum universe and how it interacts with faith. But this is not the time to back off. This is the time to take, we're not here to, to be a part of the, this world. We're here to take over. Right. And put it back the way God intended. Amen. So until next time, be vigilant, be persistent, walk by faith, walk in courage, use your words on purpose, and defeat the darkness.